um, to our gathering. Uh, last week, we began a new sermon series called Gift, the Story of Money. Um, and we will be spending 11 weeks thinking about wealth and possessions. And rather than thinking about wealth in isolation or sort of going working through it topically, which is super intimidating to me, like I don't even know how I would even begin to do, to do something like that. Um, but I also think uh, it's helpful. What we're gonna do is that we're going to walk through the story of the Bible and look at different moments, the chapters of scripture. Uh, so creation, fall, promise, redemption, church and kingdom, our glory. Um, and I think that what we'll find is there's an arc to our relationship with money, that each of those chapters speaks to us uniquely, and it'll be encouraging and helpful for us to look at the story of Melchizedek and Abraham, for example, and say, like, what does this story um, say about our relationship to wealth? Um, and sort of hit those uh, moments. So each chapter of the story teaches us something new. Um, but the thing is, I am excited to follow that process, but the Bible is very, very old, right? And so our economic situation now is very, very different from Moses. Um, and so you're talking thousands of years ago. And so every fourth Sunday, we're going to pause and ponder and discuss together what are the implications of what we've heard, what's come up for you, what has God shown you, how does the story challenge me, how does it encourage me, how does it frustrate me, what does faithfulness look like in a, a major urban global capitalist city um, with paper money and Bitcoin and all kinds of ridiculous things. Like, um, we wish that we could just one-to-one -one apply the Bible, um, but we can't. And so together, that's a project that we engage corporately as we encourage one another in faithfulness. And we're gonna do that through discussion. And so um, this is a fourth Sunday. And so we're gonna talk about what we heard in just the first week. Some of you are new, but, but hopefully you'll get a little recap and then and the questions will be relatable um, for you to be able to speak up. Um, in the creation story, the thing that we emphasize, we learn that money is first and foremost a gift, that everything is a gift. Um, God created the world from nothing, not out of a sense of obligation or because he needed creation um, or he was lonely or anything like that. He created everything purely from his goodness and love. And so the entire universe is a gift and that is, um, includes our money. Uh, everything, including our wealth, starts as a gift. In fact, gift is the moral center of the universe. And what does that mean for us? How does that affect our hearts? How does it impact our bodies? In light of that revelation, what is God inviting us to? And so let's pray, and then we're gonna just uh, have a conversation together. Dear Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that we don't have to come up with our own story, uh, that we don't have to pick and choose or figure out what works and makes sense, but that you have given us your word and it gives us the true story of the whole world. And so as we uh, look and think about our money, Father, help us to integrate money into your story, integrate our life 
um, into your own story, knowing that that is where life is, that is where joy is, that is where flourishing is. Father, I pray that your spirit would work in each of us, um, that as we respond to questions and, and answer them together, that we would mutually encourage one another. Spirit, would you speak to us, would you speak to me through um, my brothers and sisters and fellow image bearers here? Um, would we all grow towards faithfulness? Um, I pray for the anxiety that many of us bring around money, the shame. There's a lot of shame in here over debt and um, poverty and history. Father, would you um, speak to our shame? Would you speak to our guilt? Would you speak to our pride, um, anxiety, all these things? And would we leave this room feeling more free? Yeah, that song that we sing that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that is true um, in every way about us. And so would you um, help us to experience that even around money and wealth? We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. So before we get into the creation story, um, I wanna talk first just about the money stories we're coming in here with. Um, so the biblical story teaches us that money is a gift, but what are the stories that you tell yourself about money? Um, what are the things that come to mind as you think about um, your money, the world's money? Um, as you think, I'm gonna give you a moment because that's a big question to think. Um, in our family, Maggie is the one who leads in the area of money. Um, and money's consistently been hard for us. It's been a challenging reality across our whole marriage. And she has really faithfully sought out wisdom and encouragement and counsel. She's listened to podcasts. She's read up on finances, all those sorts of things. And not really just finances, but our attitude towards finances. That's been something that Maggie has really faithfully pursued and, and led our family and led me in. And I remember something she listened to a few years back, a podcast that talked about how our early experiences with money impact our present day in ways that we don't realize. And there were two financial psychologists uh, who identified four money scripts. And so these sort of unspoken scripts that we tell ourselves about money that we pick up in childhood and then affect our behavior and attitude. And the four that they came up with were money avoidance, um, money worship, money status, and money vigilance. Um, and so maybe you connect with some of those words um, but in general, what are the stories that you tell yourself about money? What are the money scripts that you wrestle with? Or if you don't want to say, this is mine, just like say like, some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Money will keep me safe. Money will keep me safe. Yeah. And the thing about these scripts is there are half-truths in it. There's, that's, that's real. Money will keep me safe. Until I make X amount, I'm probably not doing a very good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's sort of the our, our self-worth and our identity around money. Like we're evaluating ourselves based on the amount we have. Money is freedom. Money is freedom. 
yeah, that it, it's the power to do what you want to do. Which again, like, there's some truth to that, that there is a kind of freedom that comes with money. Yeah. Money is scarce and should be protected. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's one that you grew up with. Yeah, that it's like a, a limited resource that is always about to flare away. Yeah, that it, it gives a sense of control similar to the safety and security that you can accomplish something, you can do something with money, yeah. Money is a reflection of how well you've done life and making smart decisions. Yeah, that it, it's sort of like a prosperity gospel kind of thing where you, yeah, if you do what's right and you have money, like it, it shows that you've made good decisions. Um, Anyone, like, what about money is bad? Does anybody sort of have an aversion? I feel like that, that I'm, I'm kind of scared of it. And that's the avoidance. I mean, that's been some of the difficulties. Like, I'm just not gonna think about it because it's so dangerous, toxic, bad, and so, and just hope for the best. What are the stories our city Tell us about money, city and culture. More at all costs. More at all costs. Yeah, you're always, it does seem wild sometimes where you like, that the GDP has to grow, you know, that it has to grow by a certain percentage all the time. Um, you know, people are worried because the uh, People's Republic of China is only making like, isn't making 9% growth anymore. They're only making like 5%. You're like, that sounds pretty great, <laughs> you know? But uh, yeah, there always needs to be more. The city says that if you don't have a lot of money, you must have done something stupid. Hmm. Yeah, they're evaluating people based on the amount, based on their lack of money, yeah. And I think likewise that money is earned. Like I think there's a strong sense of like, oh, these tech companies are the best. And that's, like they have so much money or their leaders have so much money because they're the most valuable or everyone believes in yeah. you know, what they do. Um, like, yeah, there's kind of like a moral, like they must be doing things right. Yeah, there's like a meritocratic view, um, which is funny when you, and it also means like we're so fascinated by these stories of companies that are house of cards that fall apart, you know, that they looked really great. Um, what's her name, Elizabeth Holmes, like on the cover of Time Magazine, um, as like a woman of the year. Um, and then you look behind and it's, they're not doing everything right. <laughs> What are other stories? 
it's ruined the city. Yeah. Um, that it's, ta it's like robbed the city of its charm. It's robbed the city of its authenticity. It's gentrified the city. I guess maybe more of a response to stories that like, no matter how hard you work or how often you work, it's still not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a scarcity, but then maybe like a nihilism around like, well, what can I do? Yeah, that there's a cap or a limit. Um, but then on the flip side that, you know, maybe the, like, we need more money, just how, you know, we'll, we'll I'm sure, I haven't looked at the ballots in November, but I'm sure that there'll be bond propositions where it's just, like, billions of dollars that need, they're like, oh, if we just have, if we just spend this much more money, we'll be able to um, help the, help the homeless here. If we get, you know, now we have, like, a quarter of a a quarter of a trillion dollars, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Um, but let's just do half a trillion dollars. Like that's what we need. So it, it, it solves everything. Yeah, some other things that thought, I mean, blood money, I think is, is an idea that we sort of think of, um, that all money or most money is tainted um, with injustice, that it's not, been gained uh, fairly, or it's only been gained with oppression and injustice. And so all of us can, can kind of have that sense, or if we think too hardly, too, too, too hard about it. Um, and so we just sort of put it out of our mind. If we like think too hard about Amazon, we're like, we just sort of decide not to think about it. Um, you know, we decide not to think about these, you know, the genocide in China and like um, the Uyghur people, you know, we're just like, we're just not gonna think about that. So there is this truth of, of blood money. Um, but if you can't, there's all, I mean, it was sort of like, as I was thinking through these, like there's almost a train of thought that you follow. So scarcity, there's not enough. Um, and sort of as, so that means you like are in this zero sum scheme where it's like, well, if there's not enough, I need to like, fight to get what's mine. I need to like compete with other people for money. Um, and that leads to kind of like a meritocracy where it's like, well, I, that means I gotta earn, I gotta do my best, I gotta like uh, find my way. Um, but then we all sort of recognize at some point that, that there's injustice in that scheme. And so we begin to get uncomfortable with our money with maybe, maybe I don't, Maybe I didn't earn this. Maybe I don't deserve uh, the amount that I have. And so then we get this blood money. But then at some point you're just like, well, what can I do? Like I'm caught in this system. And so we have kind of a nihilistic view where you're like, well, I can't do anything. And so I'm actually just not going to think ethically about my money. <laughs> like, you know, I'm just, I'm just gonna sort of like abandon it. Um, and, um, and, I know I sort of like go in and out of all those scripts, um, bouncing back and forth. Um, I think, you know, one of the like interesting like scripts that our city and our 
capitalistic culture does is, is a survival of the fittest kind of idea that you sort of earn your way. And I think it's interesting because that really is a modern day creation story. Like we've taken that from like, an evolutionary view of the world, um, which sort of defines creation, um, especially biological life, as competition, that all the world's diversity, all of its majesty and wonder is born out of a competitive fight for survival, where some species survive and others don't. And so we sort of have mapped that on to our sense of money and, and sense of um, who has and who doesn't. Um, this need that we have to survive in a hostile environment with limited resources. Um, humanity, and, and, and really according to that narrative, that creation story, humanity is only wealthy because we have like earned slash cheated our way to the top. Like that's how humanity's at the top of the food chain um, and we're trying desperately to stay there. But the whole story is creation as war, right? It's, it's, it's a, a creation that is red in tooth and claw. Um, that is so very different from the biblical creation story where creation is gift, abundance, super abundance. Everything is good and wonderful and um, there is enough for everyone. God creates freely from his goodness and love. Um, I'll read this quote from James Petty again that I read last week. God is the original giver and because of the cosmic unfathomable levels of gifting that God demonstrated as the creator, the moral environment of the universe itself is one of giving. Giving is what God does uh, because God is love and God is power and when love and power combine, what does it result in? It results in gift. How does that story affect you? What? Um, not just what do you think, but what emotions do you experience when you think about, positive and negative, when you think about this idea that the Bible is saying that the universe deep down is a gift? Do you have a good response to that? Is it hard? Is it confusing? It's slightly confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Yeah, that's such a great insight. Um, how this feels right intuitively, that this is how the universe is set up, but then why do we not? And it feels good too, it's not even feel just right, it feels good, like I wanna live in that world. I wanna live in this world. Why can we not collectively together live in this world? Like why can't we make this happen? Um, how, Mm. Like I don't think I mean I think it's I mean 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, what's really important about this story is, is there has to be an original giver. Um, and that's sort of a, you know, one of Aquinas' proofs of the existence of God, that there has to be an original mover, an original giver. And, um, and God is that. But then it sort of starts this ongoing forever exchange um, where things are just moving back and forth all the time. Um, and it would be a dead world that would stop. I mean, that would be the only way the world would stop is if life stopped, um, where the plants aren't giving oxygen and I'm giving, you know, like this constant back and forth. How else do, what else do people think about with creation as gift? I'm, I'm encouraged, because uh, it's like a glimpse of gospel mm -hmm. in, in that it's not my natural inclination to look at it as a gift but differently and so in, through the lens of the gospel it, it, it points to uh, Christ being the, the greatest gift and giver and as I think about resources or money uh, I'm not surprised that God created it first as a gift and, mm -hmm. and through restoration it's going to point us back to not our natural inclination, but the, the, this relationship of money and gift. And so I'm encouraged that as I see my response with resources and money uh, connected to releasing and looking at it as a gift, it's, it gives me hope that there's redemption or there's uh, sanctification going on in yeah. my life uh, through, through the gospel. And so it's encouraging. I'm sorry. Yeah, I want, I want this to be the script, you know, the money script in my life. Um, that money is a gift. Um, if all creation is gift, that means money is gift. Um, it's a gift in process. It's, it's love in process, love in transit. Um, even though money is eventually corrupted as we talked about like the fall like this is not the way the world works right now um our relationship with money has been corrupted why is it still helpful to remember 
that it started out as a gift, even though that's maybe not our relationship right now and it's very complex and, and broken. What is helpful about remembering that, it, that all of my money, all possessions started as a gift? I think uh, one reason is uh, it keeps me from worshiping. Mm -hmm. it, it puts money in its rightful place. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not ultimate. Yeah, and it points to a giver, like gifts have givers. Um, and so, and we can think, and I think it is helpful to like think through not only like ultimate giver, like yes, like God gave money, but also to remember that I'm dependent on so many people. Like you, you could not list, like even if you just, even if you just consider your body right now and the clothes that you're wearing and the food that is in your body, like you could not list the amount of people involved. <laughs> like, um, you know, like you just, you couldn't possibly enumerate all the people who are involved and who have given of themselves to you. Um, not to mention the creatures, uh, the like cotton plants and bees and, um, you know, coffee beans and all those sorts of things that keep us going. What else is helpful? So it, it puts money in perspective. What else is helpful about thinking about gift? I think thinking about money beginning as gift is helpful for seeing the money and I think it helps to counteract some of the nihilism we were talking about earlier of not being paralyzed by hopelessness of like, you know, this is already bad and I can, you know, only do bad. It's like even in the midst of a lot of brokenness, I can choose to act in ways that are redemptive with my money or, you know, humanizing or yeah, like trying to like counteract some of the Yeah, I think that is interesting because it sort of, um, you know, you, you, you're free. If it's a gift, you're technically, you don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want with it. That was sort of funny with like kids with the dollar bill. We did, we did a little illustration where everybody got a dollar um, last week and illustrating kids were like, do, do they have to give it? And you're like, no, of course not. Like you don't, you, it's a gift. Like you do what you want with it. Um, and, uh, and the freedom is really wild because that sort of does open questions where some of us hear it as gift and we think like, oh, I have to do something super, super holy with it, with all of my money. Um, but God is delighted for you to like buy a lollipop and like, and just enjoy it. And like for no reason whatsoever, just, um, yeah, Maggie and I went on a trip and we had, we hadn't had forever, but like an ice cream cone, like an actual cone. And it just makes you happy, um, right? Like to have an ice cream cone. And, um, and that, is a, that is a totally appropriate and good use of gift. Um, but there is this, there's this freedom that could be used poorly, right? Well, if I can do whatever I want with it, then, you know, I don't know what would be it. I mean, I can think of terrible things, but I'm not gonna say them. But yeah, like, um, but you can, like why use grace for license? Use it for love, like use it to love God and love others. There is this openness that even if 
your money has a bad story. Um, yeah, like, if, I mean, I'm trying to think, is there a story of somebody who received a really, an inheritance from an unjust system in place? Um, ironically, that's like Buddha's story. Like he was like a prince, right? And so then he decided to sort of abandon that um, and change his, um, the direction of his life. And we have the ability to do that too. Um, Yeah. The, the next question, can money still be thought of as gift? Um, yeah, what is hard about continuing to operate in this way? What are we working up against? Because we, we, you know, if we do control alt delete on ourselves, like the rest of the world is still operating. <laughs> um, and so, is it possible for us to still consider it as a gift? I think it's hard to think of it as a gift when you know people who don't have enough. And then it's like, well, if it was truly this good gift from this good giver, then like, why haven't you given enough to some people? Mm -hmm. And I think some people could go like, oh, because the people who do have enough should share. And I immediately go, I don't want to end up in that position. I'm going to forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, obviously, I don't want to stay in that place, but that is just kind of the way it goes. So I think that, yeah, I, I, I think that's hard. Yeah, so it feels like you're opening yourself up to be taken advantage of. Um, in part. Yeah, or at least just exposing myself to vulnerability mm -hmm. or risk. Yeah, it is a very risky. I mean, the gift economy is like a good example from last week we talked about gift economies, which are these <clears throat> cultures that don't operate by contracts or by like clear agreements, but they just um, give back and forth. And so the story was a community in Nigeria where if I needed three eggs, I would go to my neighbor and ask for three eggs and they would give them to me and um, freely. But then there's just sort of a cultural social contract. Uh, well, that's the very Western um, social contract is a Western term. Um, there is a cultural agreement that I will repay the three eggs. Um, but actually, I'm, it would be, so it'd be offensive for me not to give anything back in the future. Like I, I need to pay something back. But it's actually offensive if I give exactly three eggs, I'm supposed to give either a little bit less or a little bit more. Um, because if I give exactly the amount, the idea is that I'm telling the neighbor, I actually don't want anything more to do with you. I want, to, I want it to be completely clear um, that we don't owe each other anything, we're done. It's like the COVID test, like we're done, you know? Um, but then by giving a little bit more, a little bit less, I'm sort of saying, no, we're still in relationship. 
I owe you, you owe me, and that's just what communities are. are a bunch of people who owe each other things. Um, and so it's, there's a lot of vulnerability in that because you could be the person who is like always getting less, you know? Um, that's what we think, like, oh, well, let's, let's just write it down on paper and make it exact. Um, there's a lot of trust that's like, no, I, I'm just, I trust this person and I trust the community um, that I'll be provided, provided for. Do you feel like, so how do you now, how, I guess how do we navigate the tension of, is there a way for us to continue to think about it as a gift but still be shrewd, you know, innocent as doves and wise as serpents is what Jesus calls us to be? Yeah. Yeah, some people are shrewd in really wonderful ways, and then they're generous with the fruit of their shrewdness. Um, but other people are shrewd in a Scrooge sort of way. Yeah, I think. Okay. Um, I was thinking about the shrewd and innocent thing. Uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning that frustrated me so much because the speaker was trying to say that our uh, like cultural institutions are simply a reflection of what's happening in broader culture and it's it's just objectively not true like the reality is is like powerful institutions fundamentally shape the world that we all live in and we have to accommodate them and so I think it is really I think it'd be easy as Christians and I think this has happened a lot to kind of say like let's not, you know, see, like, basically, let's just not play the world's game and do our own thing, but the reality is that, like, you don't want to be caught up, but you also want to build more just institutions and hold those, um, you know, whether it's politics or whatever, the economy, like, to account, like, there are ways in which systems can be built that are more just, and we should not just, like, write that off or assume that they're simply a reflection of the culture and so I think like being able to operate in the systems while still holding to like you know these radical biblical foundations is super super important um, yeah. yeah it reminds me in when we were working through first Peter and the the conviction to like do good while not doing evil and then that's actually pretty hard to do that people who have good intentions and good outcomes, but do evil to get there. And so like, that's even with money, it's like, man, how can we do good without being evil? Being careful, like paying attention to the means. I think, I mean, one of the things, like the original giver idea, and even God as creator, to remember that he didn't, it's not like a clock that he set, wound, and then we've messed up and we need to get the time. That he is also over all the institutions. And so there's a... He is continually giving, um, 
yeah, I mean, one of the things I was thinking about uh, ways that God takes um, from us or keeps from us. So, like, he kept, and we'll talk about next week in the fall, like, he kept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil from Eve. So is he not a hoarder or a taker? And as I was thinking through it, I was like, there's a, I thought to myself, there's a kind of taking that is actually giving, that he's, he's taking in order to give something else. He wants to give something else to Adam and Eve. A, 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 there's a kind of knowledge that he wants to give that's just from obedience. But then there's a kind of giving that's also ta- that's actually taking. Um, and to where like Satan comes and says, hey Eve, I'll give you this. But what is he actually doing? He's actually taking from Eve. And so I think that even too in how we think about money both on like a grand scale as God's like, you know, allowing the world to be run in a certain way. Um, what is he What is he doing long-term? We can't necessarily do that. But even as I think about my own money and what I'm keeping, what I'm, what I'm giving, what I'm taking, what I'm hoarding, like all those sorts of things, it really is like motivation and like what's the outcome, that there's a way to not sell. I mean, Jesus tells one guy to sell everything that he has. Like tells him, like the rich ruler, sell everything. That's what he was supposed to do. And so in some sense, you could say, well, Jesus was taking from him in order to give something way better. Like that, that was that was Jesus' way of giving salvation to the rich young ruler, and he passed on it. Um, you know, and so is there the flip option where the other other people that he did not ask to sell everything that they have? Um, what was there a way that he was? What is he giving them? What is God giving me? I just rambled a lot, but that's sort of like there's there's just like a, this odd odd exchange where we really need the Spirit's help. Like, we need so much wisdom. Um, The idea that money is stored love, or love in process, um, that it's sort of a power that we have to love. We have have multiple powers, so we have time, we have health, um, we have relationships and things like that, but one of the things that we have, one of our wealths, is money. And it's stored love that's sort of waiting to be spent. Um, does that resonate in a helpful way? Um, how does that help in our use of money? I think oftentimes we're so focused on the end of what money achieves mm-hmm. that to think about it as stored or in process allows us to give without it producing an immediate result. Mm. And so I think in kind of the, the discussion around giving and feeling like, is it going to be fair or is it going to create what I need it to create or am I going to get the result that I want to get out of it? Um, it? It allows the giving just to be that, to give. And I think that if we're always kind of coming from posture of scarcity, it's not quite right in what we're discussing, right? If the premise is that the giving is coming out of an overabundance, right? So if we always have an overabundance, we're only giving out of the abundance that the Lord is giving us. And so then it's just going back to the intention of figuring out what is our abundance, right? And that looks different for different people. Uh, but like you'll hear stories, right? Of, you know, somebody who's unhoused that gives their, you know, 
last $2 away, right? Mm -hmm. But for them, that's their abundance, right? And so it's appropriately aligning what our needs are and what the overabundance the Lord has given us to then give from. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a different posture of not necessarily, you know, protecting what it is that the Lord has given to the steward, but assessing appropriately what, you know, what I what, what the Lord has provisioned to give me and what is the overabundance that I can then give from without expecting a return because because that, that, he never expected the return. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think that that's helpful in that way for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful to me because the in process, it's still in process even as I give it away. Um, and not think about it so mechanistically. Um thinking about if this is a sufficient paradigm to live out. <clears throat> you can s skip a slide ahead. Christians believe the gospel's purpose is to restore the world to what it once was. And so like that is the hope of Christ that he it saves us, saves the world, and then the hope is that he would restore it. I'm just curious, thoughts. Do you think there will be money and wealth money and possessed wealth, like each of us will have wealth in heaven? And do you think it will be equally distributed? Equal. Equal? Yeah. There's crowns. There's crowns. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Do you think there'll be, cat? like, we'll exchange goods, like you'll make something great and I'll want you make like great cinnamon buns and I'll be like, can I have a cinnamon bun or will you just give it? Will we just be like a money free? What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> so I hope to be clear. I think to think about the heart of Christ, there will be a form of wealth and it will not be equally distributed because his message to us is my love for you isn't defined by this quantity that I've given you. Like you get to be with me and however I choose to express that love in whatever mm -hmm. quantity way to now God's love for me is not defined by a raise I get at work or, or whatever that might be um, and I think that he'll continue to show that in whatever heaven and the future looks like in that way yeah Yeah. Like when I think about equally distributed, I think that means that everyone has what they need. But, but really, like, heaven is everyone has what they need irrespective of this idea of money. Like, that's baked into the redemption. In yeah. The story. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it's a, I mean, a, a provocative question. Um, because we can't like not bring the scarcity mindset into it. Um, and I think like the question would be like, could you flourish 
with less, significantly less even, but in a world like per perfected in love. Um, or would that, I mean, I'm just sort of thinking like, would it constantly move because of gift economy to where actually the person who's at the bottom, like now, man, if, if people are at the bottom, they stay at the bottom. It is so, so, so hard to crawl out of poverty. That you're, you are fighting so many things. And people who are wealthy stay wealthy, generally um, speaking. And so maybe that will be what's different, is that over an eternity, we'll all spend time in various, because uh, because we'll be constantly giving and like moving back and forth. I don't know. Um, but I think it, it's like a helpful question because that is where the gospel is taking us. Some future where we lack for nothing. And not only do we lack for nothing in, in sort of a, independently wealthy. God does not, God doesn't want us to be independently wealthy. We will be wealthy because of him and because of each other. There'll be a community of people who are giving. Um, I will need you and your possessions in heaven and you will need me and my possessions in heaven. Like we will, we will be needy, but all our needs will be provided constantly. Um, as opposed to this idea of us being just sort of all independently wealthy. That's actually not a, that's not a virtue in scripture um, to be independently wealthy. Only God is independently wealthy and in his goodness he gave, you know, and sort of like obligated himself to us. Um, he was the only one who ever could be um, and he chose to create and redeem and adopt. Um, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. We, as Christians, are called to spend out of our future inheritance, which is infinite. And so as we, even though we might feel like, oh, I've got limited resources here, um, you know, uh, Paul talks about our life in Christ being a down payment, you know? And so there, there is, the fullness is coming. And so how do we spend out of that fullness? Um, knowing that as we like hand off in that gift economy, where as we hand off love, there is love that's in, there is divine love in process that is like on, our, on its way. And so we can really give pretty freely and have, and even give away our whole life and all our possessions, knowing that God will provide for us. Um, just some closing thoughts as we need to wrap up. And um, thanks so much for this. Like this is our first first go at this, but such a fruitful conversation and really encouraged. Um, just a, a string of questions um, just to think about. Um, and I want you to ask, like, does the spirit bring anything to mind uh, that you should meditate on over the course of the week? Uh, what would the world look like if it thought like this, that money is a gift. So that's what we're thinking about. Like, what, would ha- what is heaven gonna be like? What would the world look like? What would the church, so if the world isn't changed yet, but the church global look like? What might our church look like if we um, in San Francisco, along with other churches in the city, um, moved around the city um, knowing that money is gift? And then what would my life look like? What would your life look like? Um, what's a concrete change? Um, either a change in attitude, um, a change in how you think, how you feel, how you speak, how you live. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to read a set of passages from Scripture um, that sort of talk through these themes, um, give a, a moment for silence, and then we'll pray. So Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 1 Corinthians 4.7, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Romans 8.31 and 32, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And 1 John 4, 10 and 11, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Heavenly Father, We want the universe that you created. That was very good. That was marked by abundance. That was marked by safety. That was marked by generosity and freedom. We want that so bad. We want 
our hearts to be aligned with that story. We want this church to be aligned with that story. We want the global church to be aligned with it. And we want all of humanity and the entire world to be aligned with that story. And we're so thankful that you want that too, that you did not give up on humanity, even though we have completely corrupted, I have completely corrupted your intention for the wealth that you have given me. But you sent Jesus to bear the cost of that sin, to extend forgiveness to me, to adopt me, even though I was the prodigal son who had wasted wealth. You welcomed me back in and clothed me with righteousness, put a ring on my finger, and you invite me back in as a child, a child of God, and invite me to uh, try again, to spend like the son of a generous father. Father, I pray that we would be a church that spends our lives, our time, our health, our wealth, everything that we have, that we would spend like people who have a generous father who is most revealed to us through generosity and giving. We love you. We need your help. We need the spirit. We need circumstances to, to line up so that we can experience this. And so we ask that you would tutor us uh, in your generosity. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.